thing after that. And overnight low down to 44. Tomorrow, it should be uh, mostly sunny except for a few afternoon clouds and a high of 71. Stay tuned. Local editions right up. Support for Radio Catskill comes from 52 and Vine, a wine and spirit shop in Jeffersonville featuring local, national, and eclectic vintners and distillers. 52andvine.com. From the Upper Delaware Welcome Center at the Narrowsburg Union, featuring information about regional attractions and activities, along with products by the region's artists, artisans, makers, and craftsmen at Catskills Curated. Narrowsburgunion.com. Welcome to the local edition news and information to keep you connected on a Wednesday. Live from our studios here in Liberty, New York. I'm your host, Jason Dole. And what we do on Wednesdays is we find out the latest on jobs and the economy with James B. Huntington. It's Work Shift Live. That's coming up. We'll also get the lowdown on the pie palooza. That's Apple Pie Palooza. It's an event to benefit Radio Catskill happening this Saturday. And it's not just about pies. We'll be talking to Cassie Carlson coming up about that as well. Before all of that, it's our first of three guests tonight as we do what we always do on a Wednesday for our weekly news roundup. We turn to Liam Mayo of The River Reporter. Welcome back to the program, Liam. Thanks for having me back, Jason. So I think we should start off talking about the Airbnbs. I know this is something that the county was looking at, and uh, there's uh, so what's the effect of short-term rentals of these Airbnbs in Sullivan County? So they've got a couple of effects, some good, some bad. Uh, These are effects that have been building up, but that the county and towns are starting to take an ever-increasing look at. Um, On the good side, the county is collecting a lot more bed tax than normal, uh, from these short-term rentals. Uh, the county has been working on the legal side of things to make sure it's collecting the appropriate amount of tax from these um, rental places. And it's up to around 36% of all room taxes collected in Sullivan County coming from short-term rentals. So that's 36% for short-term rentals, and then everything else is like hotels and campsites and stuff. Um, and that's sort of contributed to a surplus in bed tax money where the county's brought in way more than it has been used to spending. So it's now trying to scramble and figure out like what to do with that additional money. On the Wait, is that an actual, is that an actual problem? The county, county has to find something to spend money on. That seems like, uh, you know, that, that, that seems like usually that's the opposite problem. Well, it, it's it's not a it's it's one of those problems that's nice to have, but there's a lot of logistics yeah, to yeah. figure out as you're doing it. Um, it's something the county talked about on September 22. Apparently, there's uh, $789,000 sitting in the county's uh, room fund account that is currently unallocated, and that's not all from short-term rentals. But I think short-term rentals do have a major impact on that amount. Right. And I believe the county did decide to put together a committee to decide what's going to happen with that money. Um, but that's just a minor logistical problem. Getting in the way of what you're correct is not a problem at all, having a bunch of additional money to spend. 
And now um, turning to the other side of the river in Honesdale, I know the Honesdale Borough Council met and both parking and discrimination were discussed. Yeah. So the the chair of the parking committee brought a couple of suggestions to the Honesdale Borough Council. Uh, apparently there are 50 new digital parking meters that are en route. And uh, there are a couple of changes to the fee schedules for uh, the borough. Uh, they're putting meter rates to 50 cents per hour rather than 25 cents per hour. And they're raising or recommending raising the violation fees for if you don't pay that and if you get a parking ticket. Uh, they're not jumping by too terribly much. Um, they're going from like $5 to $25 for a uh, base violation. But all this is sort of in support of the Bureau Council's desire to main- be revenue neutral in the face of a lot of uh, investments that it is having to make, um, such as investments in stormwater infrastructure. That's sort of been discussed for a couple of years now, but the council does still need to do. Um, the next borough council meeting on Tuesday, October 18, is going to host sort of a public comment on these rate increases. So if you're in Honesdale and you want this to happen or you don't want this to happen, uh, that's when you can show up to talk about it. Right. And then now what about uh, issues of discrimination? Yeah. um, The council has been dealing with um, this or grappling with this question of discrimination for uh, about a month now, I believe, uh, as one of the council members made a fairly um, poorly thought out remark at a council meeting that has ultimately prompted the uh, Honesdale Mayor Derek Williams to present an anti-discrimination policy statement, which um, basically just commits the mayoral office to combating discrimination. So it's just a good step in the right direction um, if you think discrimination against people is a bad thing. Is it a general uh, like statement of perspective and intent, or is there any kind of like... Uh, you know, steps or consequences or anything like that laid out. Is there any implied it, action in the statement? It's basically the first of what you said. It's the statement of intent and perspective. Um, the Homestead Borough Council, I believe, discussed briefly any like larger consequences for uh, pe- people being indiscreet or having. Uh, poorly thought out comments, but um, nothing too much came of that, I believe. Okay, great. And uh, finally, I know that also another thing uh, that you've been taking a look at here uh, as we check in with you is um, Antonio Delgado came to our area. He was in uh, Sullivan County yesterday. Uh, what was he doing? Uh, you know, it's campaign season, so so what was this all about? Yeah. I mean, as you said, it's campaign season, and he made a couple of stops on the campaign trail with Aileen Gunther, uh, the assemblywoman for this area. Um, those included Ed Fallsburg Seniors Meeting and 
uh, just a general constituent meeting at a Wallkill diner. Um, but the one I went to and the most, one of the most interesting ones was, uh, an event at SUNY Sullivan where he showed up and basically just took questions from a group of students who were there. And it's, it's not like there was any major policy announcement, but I thought it was, really interesting to highlight as a way to encourage civic engagement and to encourage voter turnout. Um, Is there anything in particular that the students were were interested in in knowing? What did they ask about? Yeah. um, They asked about uh, the difference between uh, sort of now that he's lieutenant governor, how does he balance uh, downstate needs with upstate needs? Uh, He said he had a lot of experience in that coming from essentially this congressional district, uh, the 19th congressional district, which includes the Catskills and the Hudson Valley, where that kind of blend both. Um, they were also interested to talk to him about uh, hip-hop music and just the power of art in particular. Uh, he had a brief career, I believe, as a hip-hop artist himself and uh, spoke very movingly about the power of art to connect people. So... Right. It, it was, and yeah, it was, it was just a good uh, way of for students to sort of maybe be more engaged with the government than they would have on their own. And yes, it's a campaign event, and yes, their Delgado probably would like them to vote for him, although there wasn't any of that discussed. But it's just good, I think, for students to get to see their representatives to be to feel more engaged with the government. On a, on a neutral, nonpartisan level. All right. Well, Liam, I want to thank you for catching us uh, catching us up on all of these stories. I'll remind listeners that the latest edition of the River Reporter uh, comes out tomorrow. Um, we're going to get going uh, because we have to check in with uh, Cassie Carlson about our apple pie. Pal- have you heard about the apple pie palooza? I have indeed. It sounds like a very good event. Well, we're going to learn more about it coming up in just a minute, but um, I wanted to let listeners know that they can hear you uh, this coming weekend and every weekend giving us the headlines, the local news through the weekend. The River Reporter comes out tomorrow. We'll talk to you again next Wednesday for our weekly news roundup. Liam Mayo, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us. Thanks for having me. Before we move on here on the local edition, I do have to remind you, if you haven't heard yet, that uh, Radio Catskills Apple Pie Palooza event is coming up on Saturday in Livingston Manor. And uh, I'm going to be there. And uh, now I get to add to my resume this this new title I've never had before, which is Apple Pie MC. So to help me explain to you what this means and what is in store for you at Radio Catskills Apple Pie Palooza, it's our own Cassie Carlson, host of Rare Pair Radio, 8 o'clock Friday evenings here on Radio Catskill. Cassie, thanks for joining us. Yeah, of course. I'm so happy to be here. And I'm excited to be finally hosting a fund Razor for WJFF, my favorite radio station. Yeah, so um, I think it's going to be a fun night. It's going to be a blast, and it's happening over at the Catskill Brewery in the Manor, right? Yeah, yeah, it'll be at the brewery, but it'll also be you know outside in the tent, a heated tent. Um, uh, you know, we're going to have, uh, of course, the regular things that are at the, are at the brewery like beer. 
but we're also going to have lots of uh, apple desserts. It's not just limited to apple pie. It's actually all kinds of apple desserts. And it's kind of a two-part thing. There's going to be a judging part to uh, the apple desserts. There's three local judges. Um, and then there's going to be a place where you can uh, just buy pie and totally unrelated and uh all the monies from those pies and desserts go straight to the station. Um, and then there's a portion of the bar that actually goes to WJFS as well. And there'll be like kind of a fishbowl if you want to throw a few extra bucks in. Um, and then after the judging, we're going to have a couple DJs. You're one of the DJs, right? Are we going to hear some music from you? I am. I'm one of the DJs. It's true. <laughs> also, um, Jason Tuga and uh, Nick Forte. Hey, um, we used to have an awesome show um, about a year and a half ago, maybe. Um, he hasn't done it for a while, but I secretly want to get him back. Yeah, me too. I guess it's not that much of a secret because now we're telling everybody. But we're 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 working <laughs> on Nick to get it back on air. But absolutely, people might remember. Oh no, it's Nick Forte, and even his earlier programs. And uh, so it's great that that every that this is a chance to have fun it's a chance to raise money for radio catskill with with the people that help make us who we are on air you know our djs hey there gems yeah so Colin. hopefully it'll be a fun night of eating lots of sweet treats go? and lots of dancing and lots of music and, we'll be on and um yeah and, we can um, finally get together and hang out too and uh, talk so that'll be cool so let's just remind people again what what time it is and and where they're headed all right, so that'll okay, be um, this again. Saturday, October 8th, yeah. hey, we'll from 5 to 9 p.m. at the Catskill Brewery in Livingston Manor, um, and that's at 672 Old Route 17 in Livingston Manor. All right, Cassie, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us tonight about the Apple Pie Palooza fundraiser for Radio Catskill. Can't wait to see you. He lived by the apple orchard in this little old orchard shack. His real name was Jackson Taylor, but I called him Applejack. Now, old Applejack was loved by everyone he ever knew. And Applejack picked apples, but he picked the banjo, too. Play a song for me, Applejack, Applejack, play a song. Okay, and uh, here on the local edition, now we're going to segue from one dolly to another as we get ready to talk about the latest on jobs and the economy around our listening area, around the country, around the world. For that, we turn to James Beonington for another edition of WorkShift Live. Hello, James. Good evening, Jason. Good evening, listeners. Working Not a bad sign when we start off the segment with a double dose of Dolly Parton this time around here um, on Workshift Live, uh, James. I want to I want to check in with you first because I know you weren't uh, you weren't on last week. It's good to have you back. I, I from what I was hearing on the news and I listened to on NPR, it was a wild couple of weeks in terms of economic news. Uh, what's your take on what's been going on since you've been away? Well, it's been crazy. It's been absolutely wild the last two weeks or so, especially if you look at stock and commodity prices, but also some things there. And they've gone way up this week in the last few days, but that's because they went way, way down last week. And it, it doesn't even quite compensate for that. We also have some directly jobs-related news. The number of open positions, advertised positions, 
is down about 10%. Now, I think that's healthy and don't think it meant a lot that it was 11 million instead of 10 million. We also have reports from employers, especially in IT fields, that they're slowing down. They may even be laying off. They don't want a lot of people. There's a lot of general concern about a recession, but we're not really in one right now. There's still a great deal of spending going on. There's a great deal of money being made. We have wages going up. We have prices going up. We have we don't have a new inflation number, but I'd say probably it's something like 7% down from 85 and it's going to continue to drop. So it's it's strange. A lot of things have been happening, but there's really nothing in it that indicates that we're in real trouble economically right now or with jobs. Did you hear the news of, of like how the, the the you know the government and banks are responding in in England? No. No, okay. Cuz that's something they've been talking about on the BBC and maybe we'll in a future week we'll we'll check in on that because that it just seems like people are looking for different ways to respond what's going on. Nobody wants to make anything worse, but things, you know, especially when you talk at a governance level, um, you know, nobody wants to make anything worse, but people got to do something. Um, and there's more employment numbers are going to come out this week, right? Yes. Friday. We'll get to know what things were like in mid-September. Okay. It's, it will tell us a lot. The jobs reports have generally been excellent over the past several months. It will be interesting to see if it continues or if it slows down, but there's still a, a ton of opportunities in our area and elsewhere for jobs and not just the dead minimum, whatever the lowest 14 or $15 an hour rate is. There are jobs for more than that that a great deal of people are able to get. So it's a lot of opportunities, a lot of things we can do if you want to take advantage of them, if you need to. Not perfect. We wouldn't like to have the inflation, but that, I still say, is going to burn itself out. And, you know, while you're talking about jobs locally, I know that you're, you've are you looked at one kind of job that's actually doing especially well across the Hudson Valley, and what what would that be? That's warehouse work. There was a story in the Times-Herald record that came out last week, actually, saying it was titled Valley Seas Boom in Warehouse Jobs. It's, I didn't realize how many warehouses there are in this area and how many people they need. There are dozens of them out there. They're paying often as much as $24 an hour just to start. So if you have experience or even interest in working in a warehouse, there are a lot of possibilities. The big ones are Amazon and Medline, which have some of their biggest centers here. I think there a lot of companies are realizing that this is an excellent location because it's two hours from New York and three hours from Philadelphia, and it's not really all that overpopulated or whatever. There may well be more. There are the 
the story says there are dozens of warehouse proposals. Now, the catch, you may be, if you haven't been connected with this field for a while, you will have to be a good computer user, not a programmer, but be able to use information on computers and be trainable or think you can do well at looking things up because that's how it's all done these days. The people, I mean, warehouse workers are going to spend a lot more time than before on computer screens instead of just running around and getting things because it is complicated, it is detailed, but it's, we're not talking really about IT aptitude. We're just talking about ability to use... User, yeah. Yeah, user. I mean, along the lines of if you can handle Word for what you want to use, if you can do a number of things with your email account, then you're good enough to use the warehouse computer software. Just don't expect that you will... It's a job where you can avoid that certainly not. And, and I but, guess you're making the contrast as opposed to perhaps somebody's uh, perception of it being a primarily physical or mechanical job. Yes. I mean, there was a time where it really was just humping heavy things around, and now it's a matter of getting things, finding out where in a large, complicated warehouse something is, and being able to use a computer to tell you what things to get and to confirm that you got them and to find things in the warehouse. Now, you said you don't have to be a, com uh, a computer programmer uh, for that level of job, but there there are jobs where people are programmers. It's people that work on uh, coding. Um, wh what are you seeing for that type of a career right now? Well, this is something I predicted 10 years ago that programming especially would be hit hard by people in other countries and automation and such. I don't know about the other countries in particular, but we're reading about coding, about AI, artificial intelligence, being able to do a lot of sort of preliminary coding. What it does is they have things that can in some cases, take natural language spoken sort of instructions and turn them into simple programs. It's on the way. It's getting better. There are a lot of different things that are being put together on the AI side. They're continuing to progress, but it's like some industry pundit said that hand-coding software programs will increasingly be like hand-knitting sweaters. So even <laughs> though I'm sure there was a time during some of our lifetimes where it really seemed like mm, you needed a person to knit a sweater, now it can be completely done by machine, mm. even with the detailed things and the collars and the sleeves and all that. So it's it may well be the same thing for a lot of programs that AI will be able to put them together. Now, some people will be needed to check these things out to confirm, and maybe in some cases, if it doesn't understand what somebody's saying, that computer programming is always called for great precision, knowing exactly 
what you want, being able to express that. And so if users are trying to tell the computer what kind of programs to write, they may not always understand if they don't have that precision. So it's a work in progress, but right. I'm looking at half a dozen product names that are getting somewhere with this. So expect more, because programming coding is really quite expensive these days. They get paid a lot, and companies would like to cut that back. Well, you you, uh, you you were talking about what does a computer understand or not. You mentioned the magic letters AI there. I think this uh, means it's high time for us for to jump into our regular segment, Robot Watch, where we're keeping an eye on the impact of AI and robots on the workplace. So let's now turn our gaze from AI encoding to um, industrial robots. Where are they all headed right now? They're headed to China. Mm. China is installing about as many industrial robots. It was last year, it was just short of a quarter million. That's about the number equal to all the other countries in the world. So that's where the market is. You may think of China as a place for cheap labor, but they're spending a great deal of money, billions of dollars to cut back the need for labor so that's like one of their their greatest resources is their population yes well their population they're looking to do even more work and looking to offload a lot of things to robots okay that was not what i was expecting for that story and now um i you're telling me you've heard about Robots sneaking into human-driven cars. What's that story about? Yes, well, driverless cars may be crapping out as a widespread thing, but driver assistance systems are getting bigger and bigger. In effect, they're developing their offering. They have been for several years now, but they're getting even more about ways that robotic systems can even do things like put on the brakes without you knowing and do a lot of self-driving things. I mean, they're, they're, the manufacturers are getting emphatic that it's not self-driving by itself, that one person described it as like a no-nonsense chaperone, because if you... <laughs> goof off if you pull out a book and start reading it it's going to it will notice that your eyes are not facing in the right direction and it'll warn you with lights and sounds and eventually it'll say i'm cutting out you're going to have to drive manually wow you know i a friend of mine actually brought that up to me recently about uh, cars that are monitoring where people's eyes are now i actually have a newer vehicle like for the first time ever and it's doing a lot of what you're talking about it, it's got this uh assistance to keep you on the road it it uh, it'll when you've got that turned on it can do some of the steering uh and i've noticed that it will warn you if it knows that you haven't touched 
the steering wheel in a certain amount of time. And it seems like they've set it to, even when it knows uh, where the lines are on the road, it's they've set it to an X amount of time. If you haven't touched the steering wheel, it'll send you a warning. So I definitely have seen this firsthand. And it's I, don't, I see this uh, as something that could evolve into more self-driving. Yes, there should be more and more. They're going to find out. They're going to fine-tune exactly where this interface should be between the automated things in the car and the driver. And it will change certainly year by year or even more often than that. Right. So, But your car is going to be telling you to behave yourself. <laughs> the, the robots, they're here with us. The cars are watching. And we have been listening to James B. Huntington for WorkShift Live James, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us, and we'll have you back on uh, next week. Thank you, Jason. Thank you, listeners. Again, WorkShift Live with James B. Huntington comes to you every Wednesday evening at this time right here on the Local Edition. That's going to do it for the Local Edition tonight. Thank you so much for listening. My name is Jason Dole. I'll be back here with you tomorrow. You're listening to The Local Edition, winner of two Excellence in Broadcasting Awards from the New York State Broadcasters Association. Radio Catskill. Listen local. You're listening to Radio Catskill. WJFF Jeffersonville. W233AH Monticello. And we see in the forecast that there's still a continuing chance of some light rain this evening. After that, some clearing out tonight and a bit cooler overnight low down to 44. Tomorrow, mostly sunny, maybe some afternoon clouds high of around 70. And tomorrow night, overnight low down to 48 as the clouds come back in. You want to stay tuned. Coming up next, we've got Trailer Talk with Sabrina Artel uh, featuring Laura Flanders. So that's going to be the next program you hear. And then after that, two hours of music, the in sound from way out. It's the retro cocktail hour with your host, Daryl Brogdon. Keep it tuned right here. Public radio for the Catskills, Northeast Pennsylvania. We're WJFF Radio Catskill.